Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast. My name is Chris Ballas. It's been a long time, man, since I've hosted one of these things. Usually I'm a guest with Clayton Safey and Anthony Broom, but today I get to host Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman who's dropping some weight, man. You're looking good. You feeling good? I'm yeah, thank you, man. I'm feeling pretty good. It's been, yeah. it's been, it's been, a, it's been a marathon ballast, not a sprint. I understand. The older the, we the, get, the harder it is. You know? <laughs> the, uh, the Peloton bike has been good to me. Yeah. So. You know what they say, 91% or 92% of the people that buy those actually use them and, and shed weight. So I, I think I'm probably going to have to go that route. But congratulations. You look great. Um, you open the... Uh, you have the uh, yacht club right now, or what? Do you no, do? no. Does it look like it? No, I'm sitting in my office here. If I were sitting in my boat, then this would be a heck of a boat to be sitting. It would in be. Well, yeah. someday, you know, aim for this. Aim for the stars. You gotta NFL, have goals, man. You gotta NFL have goals. settlement. NFL in the settlement number two is going to be the name of the next boat. <laughs> the NFL yeah. still owes me money. I don't know why. No. <laughs> <laughs> do they really? No, they probably do. Yeah, once you once you start losing your, I don't. That's never mind. All right, let's go somewhere. Let's go a different direction. Let's talk Michigan football here. So, um, first things first, man. Uh, excited about this team. There's been more buzz about this team, and rightfully so, in my opinion, uh, than in many many years. We were all excited about last year, you know. But the big question then was, can they continue? Can they repeat? And if they do, then there's really something to be excited about. And and here we are, buddy. And a big reason for that is play in the trenches. Now, Jim Harbaugh kind of got back to his roots there. And if we look at the Michigan offensive line, uh, in your opinion, what has changed over the last four or five years? Because they had pieces. They've had guys in the pros. Were they not playing together well? Were they not getting what they should have gotten out of some of these guys? Because some of these guys were playing better in the NFL than they were at Michigan. But these guys really seem to have meshed. And uh, part of me has to credit Sharon Moore here for his, obviously, effect on that line. Well, this is a great question, Ballas, and I, you and I've talked about it before. It's 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 hard to say because we're not in the room, we're not in the we're not in the houses and the dorm rooms, and these guys are hanging around. But something changed when Coach Moore took over because there was talent there before. Think of Bredesen and think of uh, uh, Runyon Jr. and that group, and and Big Mike and Wenu, who was coached by the previous O line coach for three or four years, and they got better. They got better during that era. We, we, you know, we we tracked some of the stats that are indicators of O line performance, and and during that time, they did improve uh, dramatically. Sacks went down, hits on quarterback went down, everything, but it still quite wasn't getting the job done uh, when it came to some key games, and um, we're still losing to Ohio State pretty significantly. I think a couple things have happened here. So Coach Moore takes over the room. I think uh, probably uh, elevates uh, uh, the room into a little bit of more swagger, builds a little confidence and camaraderie in that room. This is just my my view from from having been there and done that many years ago. You're right. The, be- the best of offensive lines are great friends, and they care for each other deeply. And when they get out there, 
they start rolling people, they start having fun and they want to do it some more and more. And so you can see how this happened over the last few years. And now this, this unit is rolling. They have high expectations. They protect their quarterback. They protect their, their, their running back. They, they enjoy what they're doing and you can watch them have fun while they're doing it. And so uh, I, I think enormous amounts of credit go to Coach Moore and, and what he's done in the last few years with this unit, and they continue to get better. And here we are, uh, you know, looking into the fall here at a, at a team that's got the sky as as their goal, right? This is this is the sky is the limit. Their goals are out there, and they're they want the big trophy. And we've sniffed it a couple of years now, and now it's time to take the next step. They really do. And you nailed it, man. I was talking to Trevor Keegan, Michigan's left guard in the offseason for a feature in the football preview magazine. Order that, folks, by the way. Um, if you have not, the Wolverine.com, you can go to the front page and there will be an ad there for it. But uh, he said, he said, first of all, there was something about Sharon Moore that was really exciting. And he said, this guy, when he came in here, it, it became a lot of fun. And there was such a bond. You could tell how much he cared about his players. Not that Ed Warner didn't. He, he really improved that room. Let's give him credit. Uh, Sharon Moore took it to the next level. And Keegan said the second that they walked off the field against TCU, that they knew he and Zach Zinner started talking about coming back for another year. And he said, you know, we can't leave like this, number one, which really made me feel good because in years prior, Keegan and Keegan even said this, there were guys that were like, okay, let me look at my NFL draft stock and I'll get back with you. Okay. But these guys were first and foremost thinking about not being able to leave without having accomplished something a little bit more than just the, the semifinal, which is an unbelievable accomplishment, as you know. So I love that. Number two, you've got guys like you had, like you did that are waiting their turn. I saw a picture up there of Giovanni Elhadi, who is a guy who would start at most Big Ten schools, if not all, uh, and is going to be an NFL player, I don't have any doubt about it, that are waiting their turn and, and not, wouldn't say content to do it, but willing to do it for the program. And, I mean, that speaks volumes about the culture in that room, doesn't it? I think it absolutely does. And this is the magic sauce that that is hard to describe to fans that aren't in the room. And so you get high-level talent like those guys that chose to come back when they could have chased an NFL dream. That means that they're having fun. They enjoy their staff, the coaching staff. They enjoy the strength and conditioning staff. Whatever it is that's going on inside of Schembechler Hall and outside of Schembechler Hall is a really positive experience for these young guys to put the NFL off for yet another year and say, hey, uh, we have the luxury of, of enjoying where we're at so much and the program that we're in that we can afford to sit here another year and chase the big dream that we fell short of this last year against TCU and, and the year before that against Georgia. So uh, these are all good indicators of the health of the overall program, not just that offensive line room. Yeah, what's this line do scheme really well? Uh, two years in a row, they've won the Joe Moore Award. And, you know, it's not just, of course, part of it's getting off the ball, you know, and getting the knockback and everything. But a lot of it is there's more technical stuff going into it these days. You know, you, your guys are being asked to um, probably not fire off the ball as much as to create seams. And uh, in your opinion, what is the what has made this line really good the last two years? Well, I would argue and say it's not it's it's never not coming off the ball, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when we break them down, we watch them in the fall. Um, what they're doing is not new, mm -hmm. uh, but what they are doing is effective in that their first steps, the the angle of their shoulders and their hips are when they're when they're engaged with a double team on a down lineman to a linebacker, and they're using all four of their eyes, right? We have we have two eyes on our heads as as an offensive lineman. You have two eyes on the ends of your arms called your hands. 
And so you saw many, many times throughout the course of a game where a guy will be blocking, but you know, over here on maybe his right half, but his eyeballs are over here looking to the left and you can feel what's going on. And so you get that from just reps and effective practice time and doing some walkthroughs with the offensive line unit. And so when you can dial in technically the way that they have, you improve your performance. You're more effective at moving guys from the down line and getting them into the heels of the, uh, the linebackers and causing problems for linebackers and giving a linebacker only one way to go maybe. But it, the, visual, the visual keys that an offensive lineman uses when you're heavy double team like Michigan has been the last couple of years, you have to be really good with your eyeballs. And then if you're not good with your, with your body position uh, to pick up a linebacker, it's really critical – you know, again, if I'm if I'm double teaming with someone and I got my eyes on a linebacker, if he comes underneath to my left, I got to come off and get him. If he goes over the top, I got to take that down lineman, and then my my partner's going to take that linebacker over the top. And so, if your if your hips and your shoulders are in the wrong position, if you're turned to the sideline, or you don't have the right body posture, your chances of picking up that linebacker are very low. And Michigan, time and time again, uh, last year with Olutimi. Uh, you know, especially there in the, in the center, was in position with his eyeballs in the right spot to pick up those linebackers time and time again. And you're right to a degree, Ballas, that they weren't always devastating blocks. Think of the last game against Ohio State, mm-hmm. picking up the linebacker there. You come off that Don Lyman, you just stick him for a half second, right. and Edwards is gone for 70 yards. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the dream you know, movie movie script offensive line block that we all think about it needs to be. And, of course, it's a lot of fun to do those things. Mm. But those tiny little things make a huge difference. So the best thing they've done in the last couple of years has become really, really effective power double-team blocking. But then they also have this curveball where they can run a zone block on you and everybody takes off to the left and we're going to block a space. Whoever shows up in it, they can do that too. So they're really good at both. Yeah, they really are, and, and credit Sharon Moore. Talk me off the ledge here, man, because this guy, he really, he could have had a job this year in Division One. and speaking to some people, and, uh, you know, I think, man, they lose him, and what do you do? Now, Michigan's <laughs> Jim Harbaugh has replaced coaches with good coaches. He's had some good ones. He's had some bad ones, but bringing the Michigan guys back, and I'm going to go back to this again, you and I, when we first talked, I think in the early uh, 2000s, uh, the first time I ever interviewed you for Where Are They Now feature, and you said, man, you said that there is something that makes you sleep better at night knowing that there are Michigan guys in that room. And I point to Doug Mallory, I point to Mike Hart, I point to guys like, um, you know, that have come back. Jay Harbaugh, obviously, being a Jim Harbaugh disciple, being his son. Mike Elston, uh, you know, right down the list. Um, however, there are guys like Sharon Moore who are – unbelievable coaches and that are going to be tough to replace. So uh, do you think about that at all? And, and like, well, who's next or, or uh, who are they it's who's next? That's, okay. that's what I think about, you know, coach Moore has done a great job. Obviously he's going to be a head coach in the not too distant future. He's going to bump up somewhere. Uh, he's just too talented not to get a chance and he's going to take the right chance. And, and he's not just going to jump at anything. He's going to go where the fit is right. And it's good for him and his family and everything else. You don't have to have, you know, gone into Michigan as an 18-year-old and played there to be a good coach there, right? And I and I did say that I, I sleep better at night knowing that the Mike Hart's of the world are on the staff because you have that personal experience going back to when you were 18 and you did show up. Now, Coach Moore's an Oklahoma guy, 
And Bo Schumbuckler was a Miami of Ohio guy <laughs> and all mm-hmm. the others that didn't go through the program that did wonders for Michigan football and the program, the list is long and long and long. And so Coach Moore is another one of those guys that has adopted and learned what it's like to be at Michigan and coach at Michigan and watched his players develop at Michigan. And his name's going to be a big one. And the guys that ever coached there after he leaves, what does Jim Harbaugh do then? You go get another guy, just like mm-hmm. – decades ballast we've watched player upon player who's just you know turned into be some super stud you know all american guy and we think to ourselves how in the world are we ever going to replace him yeah. and then magically the next guy steps up and and now we ask the same question of the next player so jerry hanlon coached the offensive line at michigan for the better part of 30 years and did an outstanding job and how could we possibly ever replace him well Les miles stepped in and did it did it pretty well and produced a lot of high-level football players himself. And and then I think Terry Malone did it for a while, and now he's flash forward all the way to Sharon Moore. Yeah. There will be another great offensive line coach at Michigan. We just don't know who it is yeah. yet. Yeah, and uh, you know what the term, and obviously he's the offensive coordinator too. But to me, it's the terminology and the way he's teaching it. You don't want to start from scratch. So when you talk about Jerry Hanlon and Les Miles, here's a guy who's doing it the same way that his, you know, his. Uh, his mentor did it. And that's yeah. why, you know what, when people say, ah, oh, it's incestuous to, to, you know what, to get a guy that's been in the program and that's the first place you look to me, that is the first place you look. And I was talking to Fred Jackson in Cleveland when we were following them around on their spring tour. And he was talking about watching Mike Hart coaching running backs and all the things that he saw that he taught him, you know what, that continuity accounts for something folks. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And of course, you know what, with Jim Harbaugh, What's the next step with him? And here's a guy that, hey, if he wins a third title in a row, say he gets to the playoff again, you have to think that maybe there's a pro team out there, no matter how he's been blackballed by San Francisco or how, you know, <laughs> how I'm not going to say weird because I don't think that's fair to him, how different he is, you know, in interviews or whatever, that's going to look at him and say, hey, man, maybe this is our guy. So uh, your thoughts on his future? And uh, because it certainly seems to me that he's pretty invested right now, especially with the way he's pursuing NIL and everything on the road. Well, there's two things that come to mind here. First and foremost, I I personally don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to get an NFL job until the Michigan passing offense develops into a translatable NFL passing offense. And and last year being ranked 79th in the nation going into the TCU game is not good enough to translate and convince an NFL general manager or an owner that I can design a passing game that's going to be effective enough. As much as we all love the power football and the effectiveness that it has had for Michigan in the last couple of years, just running people over, we saw in the TCU game what happens when that gets taken away from you and suddenly you need a dynamic passing game to to win a football game. And we struggled there a little bit against TCU to do that. It was kind of not our game. Well, it needs to be our game for Jim to be that NFL serious candidate again. The other thing that comes to mind is I don't really wonder anymore. I, I I don't really have too much of a concern with Jim Harbaugh leaving to go be an NFL coach. He's being paid as much as an NFL coach with his incentives and everything else, and he's he's so it's not a salary thing. the 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 rules uh, regarding roster management and free agency and how you build a roster in the NFL are very clear and they're very defined, and you cannot break them. In college football, there are no rules basically right now, Ballas. <laughs> you can get players off of the, the what's the wire in the NFL. It's the transfer portal. And right. so you have you have basically 
the entire world of college football uh, at your disposal to possibly pick up players. You can't do that in the NFL. So is a guy like uh, Jim Harbaugh really want to step into the world of uh, of being restricted in his ability to get kids to transfer to his program like he can at Michigan right now? Because in the NFL, it's you know contracts and, and, and free agency periods and salary caps and everything else. None of that exists in the in the NCAA right now, and it's not going to anytime soon. So I'm not so sure he's as eager, with one exception, he's not as eager to go jump to the NFL to chase as he is uh, maybe a few years ago before this whole NIL transfer thing blew up. There's only right. one thing, and it's the Lombardi Trophy. That's the yes. only thing. Is a guy's a he's a competitor and he wants to win the biggest trophies there are. And so, you know, it, it, if in it you know, months from now. If you told me that Michigan went into the playoff with a highly uh, explosive passing offense to complement a dominant running game, and he wins the national championship and gets that trophy, then the chances of him pursuing an NFL job go way up because he's going to want the next thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and one thing I will say is that, you know what John Bacon said on Paul Feinbaum's show the other day, I just wrote a column about it, just put it up, where he said, you know, Jim Harbaugh is kind of taking it. NIL by the reins, and he's kind of had to do it himself, not getting the support that he needs from the AD. So he's going on in his spare time, and he's going out to California. He's going to New York a couple times. I think he actually missed that one. But um, meeting with donors to try to raise the money to get you know up to speed with the NIL program, where it's it's not where it's supposed to be and not where it should be. So I thought that was interesting, and uh, but I give him credit for doing it. And you wonder, and I want to talk to you about NIL here too, you wonder – how many other Michigan coaches are going to have to do this if this is the Michigan approach? They just finished 11th in the Directors' Cup, which is the lowest that they've been since 2015. You look at the basketball program, the softball program, the baseball program had all reached incredible highs. They are now waning. So, uh, you know what? It, to me, um, that's, a, that's a lot on his shoulders. It's not just about building the roster through recruiting, but you have to be on a level playing field. And he's kind of putting that on his shoulders here where he's got to take the reins there, Skeen, and, and be the front man for that. Yeah, that's that's part of the, the collateral uh, issues here of, of the era of NIL. Uh, you've got some schools that immediately circled the wagons and had millions of dollars at their disposal to go buy players. Think of Texas A&M, what, a year or two ago, Ballas, when they right. – when they bought that freshman roster, now it didn't turn any it turned into anything for them. Uh, at least so far, it hasn't. And the and the pressure is super high on Coach Fisher down there at Texas A and M to produce, or he's going to be gone in short order. And that goes for any other coach who's got million dollar rosters on the sideline but can't win big games. Jim Harbaugh has kind of done the opposite. Michigan did not have the wagon circled with millions of dollars at their disposal to go buy players, and yet here we are winning at the highest of levels. So it's a bit un unexpected. The, the The process of college football and major college sports being shattered and redefined by who's paying the right amount of money to get players, this doesn't surprise me at all, and it's only going to continue. I think Harbaugh is having success in spite of what, kind of probably should have happened so you know winning winning games against your rivals and and, and big moments maybe make some kids go hey maybe i can't get you know 60 million dollars for signing the the, the 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 letter with michigan but if i go there and i produce i'm going to get the money anyway and i think that's the story that jim harbaugh is telling that you come here you have success we will develop you as a football player and as a young man hopefully you'll graduate along the way too i saw rashawn gary just came back and 
graduated mm-hmm. from Michigan. That's really cool. That means something to these young men. So that comes from the coaching staff that Harbaugh has in place and himself. And so these are all good indicators to overcome the fact that we don't have, you know, a, some massive pool of money sitting on the side of State Street down there to go buy players. Um, can the next head coach do it? It's a difficult one to answer. It's some magical formula that Harbaugh has put together. So I think when that time comes, uh, it'll have to be a, a, an interesting and, and very, very specific choice of someone who knows how to manage this. Because I don't, I don't think Michigan's ever going to be no. Texas A&M or LSU or any of these schools down south that are just lining up the, you know, the Brinks trucks to pay these players. We're never going to be that. And if that's what it takes to win, then, then, you know, I don't know that Michigan's going to want to play that game. We're gonna, we're gonna be fair, and you're going to get what you earn here. And for some players in football and basketball and softball and others, that may not be enough. So they're gonna. Yeah. They're going to transfer off and be part of the all-star team wherever it's happening. I'm thinking of Oklahoma softball right now. You know, it's yeah. a lot of grief. They win the championship every year. Right now, it's like, do they even lose a game, you know? Right. And, and yeah. so the, the transfer portal is going to continue to have, I believe, an overall negative impact on college sports from a fan's perspective. If you're a superstar player, you can go get paid and change the course of your life financially. That's good for them individually. I'm a greedy former player, and I want to see my Michigan team do as good as possible. So hopefully this trend continues where we have success in spite of the lack of millions of dollars. Yeah, and you look at the guys that they're getting from the transfer portal, and they are great fits. These guys are captains on their teams. These guys are not looking for the huge bag. They understand that they're going to get their opportunities. And I was going to ask you this, as a former player, Jim Harbaugh's transformational, not transactional approach. And... Uh, I like it, frankly. And and what they're doing is they're setting up opportunities for kids. There will be a time, uh, hopefully in the near future, when they, these kids get a stipend, but they're going to have to earn it, right? And it's not going to be like, here's a million dollars, come play for us, uh, which I appreciate as a Michigan alum. And I think that you probably do too. Number two, the transfer portal, the way they're doing it, they're getting kids like Oluwotimi, Drake Nugent at center, who I'm going to talk to you about in a minute. Uh, guys that fit, A.J. Barner, a tight end, you know, who's going to be a fantastic fit here. We saw him in the spring. He was a captain at, at Indiana. So to me, that is part of the formula. And then another part of the formula that a lot of people don't talk about here is they are well over the scholarship limit scheme, but their NIL and what they are using that for is to pay some of these scholarships. And there's nothing illegal about that. Uh, it's almost like going back to the old days when you used to have 105, 115 scholarship players or something like that. And to me, that's brilliant because you're not paying. You know what? You're not saying here's a million bucks, but you have a bigger talent pool to choose from. Well, that's one part of it, right? So if I don't have a scholarship for you, well, here's, you know, uh, what is it? A hundred grand a year for an out-of-state guy to, to come to Michigan. That pays for it, right? So. Right. There's, there's creative ways, and Michigan's not the only school doing that, I'm sure of it, um, but uh, it, it absolutely makes sense uh, that, you would, that you would leverage the opportunities of, again, no roster rules, hey, money's in play here, and, and mm-hmm. Jim's got to get on an airplane and go out to New York or California and ask somebody for some money to go get some players, and they're willing to do so. This is the wonderment of the free market, and so uh, here we go. Um, I, I don't. You know, I don't understand it, the details of it, Ballas, having not been yeah. in this era, but I mm-hmm. certainly can appreciate exactly what they're doing and and, yeah. and how they're going about doing it. 
Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, I do like how they are. They've got a plan, at least. And Jim, it really starts with Jim Harbaugh. It's called Empower. And they are teaching these kids what to do with their money. They are teaching these kids yeah. how to manage it. And, you know, it's not just here's a million bucks. Most of those kids, if they get a million bucks, are going to blow it, right? So, well, statistically, right. Think of, think about when you and I were uh, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. You give us a million dollars, you might make a bad decision or two. But I think your point is the most important point that you're, that you're bringing up here is that with the transfers that we've seen, think of Ola Timi last year, this is no different than, the, the I think, the recruiting philosophy that Coach Harbaugh and his staff changed a few years ago in that maybe we're not going to recruit the flashiest of athletes and we're going to go get the best football players we can find. Right. And that seemed to be a change in, in direction for – the recruiting department at Michigan football. And I think the same is true now with his transfer portal efforts. We want to go find good guys with good character that are football players first, and the rest is going to work itself out. And I think that formula is absolutely working. It is. They went back and re-ranked the 2018 Michigan class that was not very highly ranked. And the athletic did a study and it was third, you know what, uh, based on, you know, all the guys that produced and what they helped Michigan accomplish, where they went in the pros and everything else. So these guys are great at identifying talent. They are great at developing talent as well. But you still need a couple of those five star guys eventually, whether you get them in the portal. You know, they're getting some of those guys. I would argue that Olo Timi was a five star plus last year that wins the Remington Award. Hopefully Drake Nugent is that guy this year. Have you seen film on that kid from Stanford, the Drake Nugent guy? I have center? not seen him play okay. we'll talk uh, about that I've, later. I've read about him and what mm -hmm. he's done at stanford and of course <laughs> the expectations are high because of what Ola sure. TV did you know and, yeah. and, and the guy was incredible so we'll be watching that one very closely as we get into fall and those first few games of course those first few games in september will be you know okay let's just watch the film kind of games and, and indicators yeah. right but uh i i have high expectations for this unit because of what we talked about earlier the guy that's coaching them and the players that are surrounded up there and the talent that's there and the returning starters including the guys that played a lot but weren't considered a starter last year there's yeah. a lot of good football players in that front so he's going to fit in well yeah carson barnhart you look at trente jones i mean guys like that giovanni ohati who we talked about and uh you're not even talking about the guys coming in like ladarius henderson who played a lot of football at arizona state miles hinton is a man child this kid is absolutely huge so i'm excited two more topics here scheme before i let you go back and scrub whatever it is on your boat um are they barnacles is that what they're called <laughs> no there's no barnacles in the great lakes ballast. i don't know <laughs> you know I, I don't know your lingo there captain so and plus you probably have people to do that anyway so oh, yeah this guy played in the nfl after all but all right two things interior defensive line um i was watching film again of these uh, these guys last year against Ohio State and uh, and all year long. Mason Graham, to me, and I've said this many times, is the best freshman defensive tackle Michigan has ever had, in my opinion, based on what I saw from him. So, you know what, the, the expectations are through the roof here. Chris Jenkins, um, you look at guys like Rayshon Benny, Kenneth Grant. I, to me, this has a chance to be one of the best interior Michigan defensive lines I've seen. Your thoughts on what you expect of them this year, even losing Mozzie Smith. Yeah, Mozzie was a loss because he, you know, he he had a great year last year and was rewarded as such with his draft status there to the NFL. Um, those two players, Benny and and uh, Graham in the middle, and the complement of others. I mean, I'm thinking as a as a former interior offensive lineman, center guard combo blocks on, on a zero or a three technique. Boy, 
you know, as I've said many, many times, if you got one of the two interior defensive linemen, if one of those guys is really good, you can always move your center that way and double team and let the other guy handle the other guy one on one. No problem. Um, when you got two guys in there that create problems, now as an offensive line, you're going, oh, God, you know. Uh, it's like coming to the line uh, against, uh, uh, you know, some superstar all pro, uh, you know, share a story that you and I have talked about. Um, uh, uh, coming to the line to block Reggie White one-on-one was a daunting task, right? right? From my short experience in the NFL, I'll, I'll never forget that. You'd always prefer to have your center coming over to give you a little help. Gives you a little bit wider first step. You know you got help to a certain side because, hey, we're going to double team this guy because the other guy's not all that great. Well, <laughs> Michigan's defensive line in the middle is going to present some serious problems for some opposing center and guards. And if we can match up somebody outside of there in the defensive end position or coming off the edge – now you've got something, and we talked about this in this era of college football. You've got to have a stud quarterback that's got some grit. We've got one of those, and you've got to have a defensive line that can get to the other team's stud quarterback to make that dude uncomfortable. If you can do those two things, you've got a much higher chance of winning in college football, and this Michigan defensive line checks that box. I just want to see who's going to be our edge guys. Who's going to be the ones to bring the pressure off the edge because it's hard to do so from the interior of an offensive line because there's just not enough space in their ballast sometimes to get an effective pass rush up the middle. Yeah. But if that if that if that zero technique and the three technique can push that center and guard back, that helps your defensive ends. So it all works together. It does. And Kenneth Grant coming in there at 350 pounds. This kid runs a 5-0 or less 40, which is unbelievable. Um, they've got options in there. There's no question about it. It's going to be exciting. I like Derek Moore on the edge. I think he's going to have a breakout year. So uh, Chris Jenkins is a guy who was getting to the quarterback against Ohio mm-hmm. State. He actually had a couple of plays there that changed the game. He got uh, a hold, drew a holding call on what would have been a big play for Ohio State. Ended a drive, essentially. And on the pass, uh, I was talking about this on a podcast yesterday, on the pass that uh, Mike Sainer still broke up in the end zone, Chris Jenkins is in C.J. Stroud's face, and he made him float that ball a little bit. Otherwise, yeah. you know what, that ball is probably on a dime. So these are the yeah. things where even if you aren't getting the sack, you are changing the course of a football game. And Chris Jenkins told me, I just wrote a story on him, 297 pounds on his way to 305, 310. Uh, he's going to be a Michigan captain, in my opinion. So a lot Well, of that's that's the, the other thing you just mentioned was one last point I wanted to make. I think back to uh, you know four or five years ago when we watched Big Mike and Wenu struggle to move late in games because he mm-hmm. wasn't in physical shape. And then his right. senior year, he got in the best shape of his life, played his best year at Michigan, and then went off to NFL greatness. Mozzie Smith last year – showed up in incredible shape and paid enormous dividends for his personal game on the field and the rest of that defense. Who's going to be that guy this year? Maybe it'll be Jenkins. Maybe it'll be somebody else. But there's enough guys in that building now looking around going, hey, boy, there there is a direct correlation to how well I am in, in football shape as to how I'm going to play and then elevate myself into my NFL dreams. It all does go together. And so – there's going to be another guy this year. Hopefully there's more than one that are yeah. going to show up and raise some eyebrows because of what we saw from them last year, you know, kind of going, oh, that's pretty good. And then all of a sudden this year they're off the charts making all kinds of plays. Yeah. I'm hoping that Sean Benny is one of those guys. Not to say he wasn't in good shape last year, but yeah. the, the improvement you make from January all the way around to August 
can be really eyebrow raising for a lot of us fans. We're just going to see who it's going to be. And they said that Rayshon Benny was maybe the most improved player on defense and speaking to some people for this football preview. So, uh, you know what? And it's not just you know how you're going to play. It's if you're going to play. When you've got the kind of depth that they do now, if you want to beat out that guy next to you, then you better show up in damn good shape because yeah. you look at that offensive line scheme, there are 10 guys, legit, 10 guys that I can think of that could start. And uh, two guys we know are going to start, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Zinter, but after that, man, it is kind of wide open. So you damn well better show up in good shape. And from everything that we've heard, folks, it's looking really good. These guys are really getting after it, so pretty exciting. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on is, uh, man, I think in our football preview, I think Doug Skeen had Michigan 12-0. and Is that correct? I did. I did. Hey, wow. hey, of all the years, you know, years ago we were doing this ballast. I used to joke around and just say, undefeated, we're going to win every game. And with a yeah. kind of a, you know, smile and half joke. Yeah. I don't think I'm joking this year. I yeah. really feel like Michigan has the tools to run this season, this regular season and get it done. And my, my the question in my mind is, uh, uh, not are we going to beat Ohio State. The expectation's been built. We're beating Ohio State again this year. Yeah. Not if we're going to deal with our other rivals. We're going to go to Penn State and play in a tough environment and win. Coach Harbaugh and his staff has figured out how to go and win in tough environments. I don't worry about that anymore. Now it's what are we going to do in that playoff game? Wow. And that's the only question I have at this point. Yeah, what's the danger there? Because you guys had seasons where you thought, you know what, we're going to roll, you know, we went 9-0 and 3, could have been 12-0 with overtimes. Let's be honest, you know, yeah. it might might well have been. Yeah. But, um, you know, you were in dogfights with teams that you shouldn't have been, and that's going to happen every year, right? You're going to have it's a couple gonna, of And games. it's going to happen this fall, Ballas. Right, this team's right. going to get into a tough game, and they're going to be favored heavily, and there may be well, a game where they don't win or cover the spread, and everybody's going to go, oh, my gosh, they should have won by more. I don't even care. I just yep. just win the football game and get right. into the playoff, and that'll be fine with me. The danger is complacency and injuries. So yeah. you, you have a key injury or two, that'll definitely change the expectations. Um, complacency for this team is hard to imagine, uh, considering that the feedback you've gotten from the key players on this roster that uh, last year was great. You hang another Big Ten championship uh, banner in the building and get your name on the wall there forever for being part of it. Um, but they want more. And yeah. you, you, you want more? You Well, you got to do the same thing you did last year and then go do something different. Yeah. Last, last question. Do you have a picture of you blocking Reggie White in the pros somewhere? I Somewhere. I do not have that. I wish I did. No. Somebody, I'm is sure there one somewhere? I'm sure there is. You but I, I, you know, okay. I don't know. It was, it was at... It was. I played against him twice. Uh, once okay. in a preseason game at Green Bay, and then once in a regular season game in New England. There, and uh, just being a Reggie White fan myself yeah. in high school, and uh, you know, yeah. watching him play and lining up in front of him was, you know, was it was a uh, it was a very grounding experience. But, but you, did okay, was, you did no okay. sack, no sacks, no holding yeah. calls. Okay. Any pressures? Any pressures? You get I can't speak off? to that. I don't know about <laughs> pressures. <laughs> he had 32 pressures, but he never had a sack. Yeah, no, not at all. I'm going to find that picture, and uh, and you're going to hang that up there in your yacht, you know, your 50-foot uh, sooner or whatever it is. Yeah, well, if that picture exists, I'd love to have it. Because All right, I'm going to look for it. Yeah, I'm gonna. In fact, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna talk to our contacts, at, uh, and we're gonna find that for Christmas for you, along with those pink golf balls that you won from up north. And, oh and yeah, pink golf balls. Yeah, so, fantastic. All right, we'll keep working on that golf game, man. I really appreciate you uh, being with us, folks. Please like this video and subscribe to the Wolverine.com podcast on YouTube. It's been fantastic. He's Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All Big Ten offensive lineman and uh, NFL great. 
uh, would have probably still be playing the today, right? If not yeah, for I don't know about that. Maybe that not. Hurt, but that hurt my golf game, so probably I would not. imagine, exactly, which has been fantastic. So thanks again, Doug. We'll do it again soon. All right, go blue.